Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, wonderful people. My name is Mr. Tyler, and I'm your host of the Black Pill Radio Broadcast. Today, we have an interesting topic, as we do every week. We will be talking about the role of the black community in the technology industry. Um, I have four wonderful panelists who are working in the technology field. They're going to introduce themselves, and then we're going to get right into it. So I'm going to start with Mr. Ryan. Hi there, everybody. I'm uh, Ryan, and I am the program manager for Fever Miami and Black Tech Week, and we are a coding and startup nonprofit. And our task is to create economic development inside of our own communities through a series of different events and workshops that we put on throughout Miami and the rest of the U.S. Um, And that ranges from everything like coding and startup programs for kids and teens all around uh, South Florida and our uh, economic development uh, events that we do for adults like our monthly Uh, Office Hours events where we bring in investors and entrepreneurs to talk about their businesses and our annual Black Tech Week conference where we bring all those people together down to Miami so that they could uh, basically highlight all the amazing things that are happening and share their stories and lessons with uh, everybody in the tech and entrepreneurship ecosystem. Sounds wonderful. Now we're going to go to Miss Laura. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Laura, and um, I started a nonprofit organization this year called LKY Unity Tech Club, which, um, which focuses on bringing technology and computer um, science to underrepresented black youth of you know underprivileged neighborhoods by way of organizing and coordinating different workshops that you know focuses on a variety of technology subjects, uh, such as you know, computer uh, programming, computer um, development, game development, 3D design, um, and, you know, all of that good stuff. <laughs> all right, sounds... And uh, we're based out in um, New York City right now. All right, sounds good. Now we're going to go to Miss Billy. All right, uh, so good morning, everyone. My name is Billy Body. Um, I am a network engineer by trade, and I also run a blog over at moderntechimage.com. And over there, our mission is to basically strengthen interest in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math uh, for youth um, from as early as pre-K and also for adults. And we do that by providing uh, content on our website and also um, we support new college grads and adults transitioning in their careers. And we also speak to uh, middle school youth and uh, go and do workshops and just kind of get them ready. We'll introduce them to STEM careers and also prepare them uh, for professional development, uh, interviewing skills and things like that. So um, our focus is really the uh, technology and engineering and STEM. Excellent. And last but not least, we're going to go to Ms. LaToya. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Latoya Westbrook, and I am a UX researcher at Betterment, which is an investment technology firm here in New York. And I also own my business consulting company, Westbrook Consulting Group, where I consult small business owners um, in terms of business formation, business operations, process improvement. Um, In terms of technology, I definitely want to share my experience about being a woman and also a person of color in the technology industry. Um, what the industry is doing to improve about that in terms of strategically having an opportunity for people to break into the industry. Sounds wonderful. we got a real diverse panel doing a lot of different things within technology and in that industry, which is great. So I want you guys to touch on this topic, right? The the intro of the show is technology and the black community. Um, So in you guys' experience, and I know you talked about, LaToya talked about being a female in the industry and a black woman in the industry. But just overall, in your experience working with technology, even when you guys were going to school, 
um, is there a lot of black people in technology compared to other groups? Um, or are we lagging really, really far behind? Um, I'll throw that question to Ryan. Personally, what I found in my experience, and that was part of the reason why um, our co-founders, Felicia and Derek, um, they decided to start up the company was because when we were in these um, tech and startup spaces at all of these events, we found that there are a lot of people, but there wasn't necessarily too many of them that looked like us. Um, in recent years, we've been uh, doing a lot better, uh, especially since we've been doing at events and a lot of other great companies have been popping up doing the same thing, like, uh, you know, Black Girls Code and several other um, different companies. But uh, personally, my experience uh, in the past couple of years, we've been making really great strides, but we definitely have a long way to go. <laughs> and we're going to get into some of the, uh, the, the solutions to how we can fix that. Um, Latoya, tell us about your experience working in the tech field in terms of you being a female, you being a black woman, and how you relate to other groups that are in the tech industry? Yes. Yeah, so first I would say I'm in a double hitter. Not only am I in a tech uh, at a startup, I'm also in fintech. Um, so women and people of color are not really in financial services either. Um, but we're not there. We are not there. I literally can walk around my office and count how many African-American that we have in our, in our office, um, Hispanics, we're just, we're just not there. Um, I will say that my, my firm and a lot of other institutions are doing the necessary footwork to change the inclusion, but I, I think it stems a lot from upper-level management. Like, can you see yourself in this individual? Though the recruiter may want that individual, what does the hiring manager feel? You know, um, do we have the skill set? And so in the tech space, and we interact with a lot of the other um, startups in, in New York in terms of, like, our black meetups. And so we all talk about the same things. But at this point, it's like, what is the action plan? Like, what are we going to do to really change this? Um, so, yeah, like she you know, mentioned before, there are a lot of professional organizations um, and Black Girls Code and, you know, trying to help us build that skill set. But then it gets to the point where well, what can they do with the skill set? How can we get them an internship? How can we get them an apprenticeship? Are they getting promoted once they're in there? And most importantly, I think the issue now is retention. So we get there. Do we feel welcome? Do we feel comfortable? Do we want to stay there? That's something that I also feel like needs to be part of the conversation. So excellent points. Now I'm going to bring that same question to Laura. Um, yeah, so, like, I agree with what everyone else um, has said. We are definitely far behind um, as opposed to other groups in the technology field. Um, and I feel like as though that's something that, you know, definitely needs to change. From my experience, um, I went to school for information technology, and I was just about the only black, you know, woman in all of my classes. Um, so... It, it was something that I definitely noticed. Um, growing up, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, technology programs in my neighborhood that exposed, you know, people of color to technology, um, from what I remember. And just by doing research, a lot of these, you know, big companies, these big technology companies, when you look at the rates and the, and the stats, um, you'll see that there's about probably less than 5% you know, um, black people in these companies. Um, and like what Latoya touched on, uh, I definitely agree that it starts with upper management and um, and how they go about, you know, hiring. And uh, definitely also is, you know, do we have the skill sets and, and, and bringing our people, you know, more towards um, exposing them to, you know, technology and, and opening uh, doors for us to get into the field. So, yeah, that's... Okay, and last but not least, Billy, what is your take on that? Um, sure. So in my case, um, I've been the first um, African-American at a tech company that I was working at. I was the first uh, black receptionist um, in, uh, in my engineering classes. I was the only female, and going into my career, I started to see that I was the only black female on these engineering teams. And 
you know, at first, it, it, you know, it's pretty cool. I'm the first. But as I went on, I started to notice uh, it just it, it didn't feel good. I wanted to see uh, someone that like looked like me, someone I could relate to. And also being that I was the only African-American, I had no advocates. I had no one in management um, to kind of look out for me when I wasn't in the room. And so that's why I would love to see more of us out there uh, to support each other and, and advocate for each other. Well, it's interesting. You guys, some of you guys mentioned about school training, that there weren't a lot of us in the schools and in the training. So does is that where it starts, that we're not taking these courses or we're not interested in in, in the tech industry in itself? Or is it bigger than that? Um, I'll let Ryan answer that first question. So that's a, a very interesting uh, problem. It's, it's not always... Um, that we are not interested in these things. Uh, for some cases with children, it's just that either they're not aware that these programs exist. Uh, for other older adults, sometimes it's the problem that they're priced out of these um, these courses. Like uh, there are several wonderful schools that we have down here in Miami. We have um, Iron Hack, we have Wind Code, we have Launch Code, and they have amazing programs to get people to transition into technology. <laughs> but they're really very expensive, and that that becomes an issue because they don't necessarily have the financial means to get into these courses. And then, um, if they do have the financial means to get into these courses, or they do end up having scholarships for these, one of the issues is that they don't necessarily have the requisite fundamental skills um, that are required uh, to apply for these um, classes. And uh, part of that comes from the fact that uh, a lot of kids, teens in our communities live in what we call uh, innovation deserts. Um, everybody knows what food deserts are. It's uh, essentially a place where you have to end up uh, going miles outside of your community to get uh, fresh and organic foods. Um, but the same thing happens with uh, technology where you don't necessarily have access to um, uh, computers and uh, fast internet and all this stuff and when you uh, live in a side of community where you have to leave to actually get access to these technologies you live within an innovation desert so even though these kids may have the interest um, to do these things they may not necessarily have the technology to actually get involved or the mentors to get involved and that's where uh, very important communities and um, very important uh, organizations come into play here is where uh, organizations like us and Black Girls Code and Girls Who Code, where they essentially end up providing the equipment and the mentors to teach these kids, that's where the change actually happens. And that's where we need to see more uh, of our efforts being put into actually helping these children uh, get access to this technology and access to mentors who actually look like them. Because when they see people who look like them in the tech field, they realize, oh, wait, this is something that I can do. Okay, so you mentioned exposure, costs, mentors, and in innovation deserts. Um, that suggests to me that we should be starting at a very young age with our youth when it comes to tech and that we should be prioritizing our funds um, more into tech. So instead of our kids wearing $200 Jordans, um, that could be a laptop, that could be a tablet that the kids could be using, and maybe the parent needs to go to Payless and get them some $25 sneakers and just kind of prioritize where mm -hmm. we put our funds. Um, the library is a source where there's computer access. So there are other resources, yep. but maybe we're just not doing a good job with that, or maybe we're not prioritizing correctly um, as a family when it comes to tech. Everything is tech-driven. These kids are on their phones all day. Um, you would think they would be interested in in having a career in that, but it's suggesting that we're not. Now, we're not because either we're not interested or, like you suggested, Ryan, we're not exposed to it. We don't see people who look mm -hmm. like us running it. So I know, Laura, mm -hmm. you, you run a program out in Staten Island. Um, tell us about your program. Um, yes. So LKY Unity Tech Club um, is a nonprofit that I started for the sole purpose of, like what Ryan said, exposing, um, you know, our youth to the world of technology. Um, so what we do at LKY Unity Tech Club is we go to um, there's a facility out on Staten Island, um, and we orchestrate workshops that touches on a variety of 
um, technology subjects, ranging from it's not just coding, but it's, it ranges from uh, uh, like three D design and development, like a whole bunch of this technology subjects that I feel as though a lot of children, you know, will be interested interested in. Um, and I started it because that's the community that I was raised in. It wasn't the richest community. It's not the richest community. Um, and it's very underprivileged. And I know that growing up in that community, we didn't have any other programs like that. Um, we didn't have any programs like that, that, you know, that exposed us to technology. And um, I only was exposed to technology through college. Um, I've always been interested in computers and stuff um, from home. And that's why I chose to go to school for IT. Um, and then I went on to work for a company teaching technology to children. But uh, like also what Ryan said, um, it's very expensive. And that, that was the case with the company. They taught um, different topics and technology to children at extremely high prices, probably like ranging from like $500 to as much as $2,000. So over the, over time, I'm like, you know, like, why am I here? You know, I love children. I love, you know, youth development and, and all of that stuff, especially from teaching them, having the opportunity to teach, you know, what I love and what's very important to um, to children. But I know that this is something that's needed in my community. Uh, so that's when I was like, you know what, let me see how I can make a difference and try to close that digital divide, um, which is when I started LKY Unity Tech Club um, to just, you know, hope that our kids can be, you know, more interested in technology by it specific to them. Um, and I feel as though another issue is parents and, and, and guardians. Um, I feel as though kids uh, need to know the importance of technology because if they don't, it's hard for them to enforce it um, to their children. Let's say... I bring, and this is an issue that I've been, that, that I've experienced too with launching the program. I would go to the neighborhood and try to, you know, promote it to um, the parents first, and they will, you know, they will want to know what what, it, what it's about, what it entails. Um, but when the day came, a, a lot of the parents that I spoke to didn't show up, and I felt as though they don't really. Uh, it's hard for a lot of um, our our parents to you know, recognize the importance of technology. So once we can get to a point where we can expose the importance of technology to parents and, and, and adults, um, children will, you know, because parents enforce, they send their children to these programs. So they must have to believe that it's important. Um, we can only do as much as to, you know, um, gauge interest in the children, but without the parents' support, it, it could it could possibly fail. Um, instead of focusing on you know sending our kids to basketball camps and you know all of these athletic geared programs, we should also focus on you know sending our children to educational ones as well. Um, so yeah, that's why I decided to. That's another reason why I decided to um, start LKY Unity Tech Club and just um, expose it and and market it to parents as well. As children. Right. Okay. Ryan, I want you to piggyback off of that. Um, what can we do to get our youth more involved in technology and STEM? So um, one of the ways that we found that works uh, very effectively is uh, leveraging organizations that already exist to get students more interested in technology and STEM. So we partner with organizations like the libraries and uh, after-school organizations to put on our programs. And uh, part of the way that we get them very interested in our programs is just by um, giving them stuff that they're interested in. So we, we make sure that um, our programs give the students lunch or food. And at the end of it, we always uh, try to have our cash prizes. So when uh, the kids walk into one of our hackathons, which they're going to be there for the entire day, we tell them, like, hey, guess what? 
um, technology matters, STEM matters, STEM careers matter because people who are in tech make way more money. And guess what? If you guys stand up here and pitch just like other people who own their own startup companies pitch, you will be able to win cash prizes. And then all of a sudden they all perk up like, oh my gosh, cash prizes? What? We get to win money? And as soon as they do that, they actually sit down and they're completely focused on everything that we end up teaching them throughout the day. We get them to learn how to build their first websites. We get them to learn uh, business ideation so they learn the process of going through and going from an idea to formulating their business plan and figuring out who they're trying to market to and all of these other uh, concepts that they wouldn't have paid attention to if they didn't have the incentives in place to actually learn these things. And we find that after that, students are extremely excited. And then uh, nine times out of 10, I'll have at least two to three students come up to me after the class and be like, oh my gosh, uh, how can I keep learning this stuff? How can I keep learning uh, game design? How can I keep learning how to make websites? Because when you uh, put the incentives in place, they actually feel compelled to start learning this stuff. And once they actually get their hands on and uh, get into the nitty gritty of actually doing these things, they get really excited because they watch their ability to actually create something and they get super excited. Um, so having incentives in place is one of them. Uh, another, oh, I think somebody has the, okay. All right. Um, so having the incentives in place is uh, one big one. And another one is um, making sure that, uh, whatever you end up teaching is relevant to them in some way. So the incentives plays a big part in that, but um, also incorporating really fun uh, elements into the lesson plans. Um, part of how we teach coding in some of our classes is that we have uh, game design. So they learn how to actually uh, use coding principles by creating their first games. And that's one thing that gets boys really excited. Girls like it, but boys go crazy when we start doing the games. And I've had kids who've gone like above and beyond making absolutely amazing games and that not being aware that the fact that they're learning how to actually code in uh, either JavaScript or Python through that entire process. And it's, it's amazing when you put um, all of this stuff in a fun package, they, they love it. And then, of course, you know, incorporating other stuff that they do like um, memes. Oh, my gosh. When we get them making uh, memes and social media stuff, they go crazy. They make gifts and memes, and kids go, uh, like, regularly, they, they are, like, working to even the end of class to continue doing this stuff and they come back and they show us their memes afterwards because it's something that it's exciting and it's relevant to what they're doing in their um, world so uh, one thing well two things to get them um, involved have incentives um, make it fun with you know games or anything else that they're interested in and then uh, the last one is um, having instructors and teaching assistants and mentors that look like them it seems like a very small, um, a very small portion of what people do. But when you are teaching them, or you have a teaching instructor that's there that looks just like them, for black girls and black boys, when you when they see somebody that looks like them that's doing this, they can say, "Oh, I can make money doing this. This is a job." That is extremely impactful because the reason why students want to become uh, rappers and uh, and uh, basketball players and football players is because they see people looking like them doing that. But if they see people looking like them who are UX designers, who are, um, you know, software engineers or who are front end web developers, and they can talk to those students about those jobs, they, they, the entire world of possibilities opens up for them because they now believe that it is possible for them to go out and do that as a career. So uh, having incentives, uh, making sure the curriculum is fun and relevant for the students, and then having mentors that look like them. <laughs> That's what I would say to get kids involved in STEM. All right. Excellent and ideas, and I'm going to try some of those. Um, I want to bring this question to, to Billy. So, Billy, what was your experience as a young girl in tech? When did you become interested in tech, and how are you giving back to your community in the tech field? Um, yeah, so definitely I did not grow up around tech, was not interested, did not think that I belonged. I thought tech was for people that didn't look like me. And um, so what happened is I began working at a tech company, just working there, just a regular job. And um, over the years, I just kind of wanted to take control of my career. 
And I looked around and um, started asking the engineers, how did they get into their positions? Uh, they laid out a path for me. I went down that path, um, eventually becoming an engineer. But my thing was, I, I kind of got mad. When when I found out about engineering and all of the um, the money that could be made and how I could support my family more, I just didn't understand why I didn't know about this sooner, why nobody told me that I could become an engineer, that it was even possible. And so I took that passion and um, and giving that back to children, and my focus is to reach back to them and, um, like the other gentleman said, show them, uh, African-American female engineer, show them what I do, let them ask me questions, um, let them feel comfortable uh, in that space, let them know that they can do it too, and that they don't have to um, – they they can do it just by learning on their own. They can learn technology, you know, by education um, in school. There are different ways to go about this, but I just don't want children to believe that they can't do this. And so my goal is to um, expose children and children and um, help them with uh, believe in themselves and uh, and help them with their professional skills so that when they get in the field that they can prosper. So I'm really passionate about that. All right. And I want to bring LaToya in on that same question. When did you get started in tech and how are you giving back to your community in the tech related field? Well, I've been in the tech industry for about two years now. Um, and previously I was working at large banks such as Citibank and JP Morgan. And I just wanted to transition into the tech industry um, and, and see what that was like. And for me, um, I was strategic about it, and I think that any young professional who's trying to break into the tech space needs to be, whether that's getting mentors, um, attending meetups, you know, coming up with a game plan, developing those skill sets um, that I feel like a lot of people in my community don't have um, or, like, you know, stated previously, don't have the exposure to. And in terms of giving back to my community, I'm a part of our Better Talk um, internal organization where we are planning in-house events for people of color. I'm also a part of Harlem Disrupt Code Squad. I'm on their advisory board where we recruit about 16 um, individuals from 18 to 23 every 16 weeks, and they get to learn how to code, how to build, how to market, and at the end of that session, they actually do a demo day, and we judge them and give them feedback on, on that. Um, I think that in terms of building our skill set, a lot of times in the tech space, everyone's always just talking about like being an engineer or developers, and I wish that we can talk more about the other roles that are within the tech industry, um, such as being a UX researcher, UX design, marketing, PR, um, you know, front-end developers. There's like there are other roles within tech space that I just feel like people don't know, um, or they just think IT and and they don't understand like there's a difference between IT and actually being at a startup. And so I wish that we can have more of those uh, conversations and um, just exposure, seeing people like us going into the schools. I think also from an executive management level, they don't they're they're not in that. Face. Like maybe they don't see themselves in a little black boy, a little black girl, so they don't think that we want to be in those space. So they don't even go out to those schools, or sometimes they don't even never even heard of an HBCU. And so I feel like the pipeline is not the issue; it's just the connection and getting the company with the students, or getting the students, you know, the exposure to the companies, whether it's an office visit. Um, so they can see what it's really like to see what we do on a day-to-day, um, to sit in some of those board meetings, to sit in some of those brainstorming meetings or journey mapping meetings, like just to really get in the nitty-gritty. We need to have more opportunities like that. So what about technology in the home? Because we know black families, are, a lot of their technologies or their devices are coming from cell phones. They don't have laptops, desktops, tablets. They're using their cell phones to do homework and to use use technology, which is okay if that's all you have, but what can we do to get more devices into the home of our youth? And that's for LaToya. Um, 
So I'll, I'll, I'll take it back on my finance background with that. Like, it just starts with savings and then knowing the importance of it. If, as a parent, I don't even understand, like, my own finances and how to save and how to invest and, and how to think further out, what is my goal for the next three months, six months, a year, how can I implement that into my child? So I think, you know, we need to start with educating the parents within in turn can educate the students. And we can't depend on the schools solely or our teachers to, to help them with that. Um, sometimes people are selling their, their used computers or they're selling their used phones or their used laptops and iPads. And so we need to have those opportunities where they can, you know, get there. Um, I, I would say the library, but sometimes I feel like a lot of the computers in the library, at least that I've seen in Harlem, are outdated. Um, and I'm originally from Miami. The, lot, the computers I saw in Miami were outdated as well. And so I think we just have to do more, like, community building and figuring out a better way to have exposures, maybe letting the parents know about grants and scholarships, or even if they have those opportunities, like, do are they submitting the applications? Do they know how to submit the applications um, to get the children the, the opportunities that they need in terms of having technology in the home? Because it's in, it is important. Like I have a few people on my team who don't have engineering backgrounds, but they are sort of an apprenticeship to become developers and engineers. And outside of work, they're home, like building codes, practicing codes. Codes are breaking, they're fixing them. So they're, they're home for two, three, four hours practicing. And if our children don't have that opportunity, they, I mean, we're just getting further and further behind. Excellent advice. I want Ryan to piggyback off of that as well. And I want you to include seniors in this. So when we have seniors that are on a fixed income and they're not technology savvy, but they may be interested, how do we help them? And then the first question where we were talking about the youth who don't have access to devices that are like desktops and laptops, a lot of these kids are on their cell phones. How do we what, what are some ways we can get them devices as well? Okay, that's a that's an absolutely great question. Um, to get more devices in the hands of both youth and the uh, senior citizens in our community, it's very important, like Latoya said, to start teaching uh, you know financial literacy, the ability to save, because that's a very big portion of it. If your family is able to save uh, a certain amount of money and make it a priority to get a device in the home, that's something that uh, helps out a lot. But uh, resource magnetism, by uh, being connected to people in the tech industry, um, there are tons of opportunities that people aren't necessarily aware of. Um, one of the best ones right now I know of, um, we just did a program yesterday, was with um, uh, Comcast. Comcast has a program called uh, Comcast Internet Essentials. And for uh, families, uh, children, and senior citizens, they have programs where you can get extremely affordable internet to the home, about 50 megabits, uh, 15 megabits uh, per second. So it's absolutely great. I believe it's about $10 a month if for qualifying families. So you can get internet into the home. And uh, another part of their program that they have is um, uh, if you apply, you can actually get yourself a laptop device in the home, uh, either for free or deeply discounted around about $150. And that's for both families with uh, students, students who are in community colleges, and senior citizens. Um, and in addition to that, they also offer a lot of um, programs to start teaching people how to actually use these um, devices. And we're one of their partners in that program to essentially bring about uh, digital literacy programs for the senior citizens and um, uh, programs for digital literacy for adults and uh, you know uh, kids and all that stuff. Um, so it, it's very important to be connected to the actual tech industry and understand that if you know of any of these resources, be sure to talk about them to people and on platforms like um, this radio show. Um, because people, uh, there are tons of opportunities for people to get these devices, and they're just simply not aware of it because they're not connected into the tech industry. Um, so definitely talking to people and getting connected. Um, but the Comcast Internet Essentials is one of them, and there are tons of other programs where people end up giving away uh, machines. Uh, some of our programs that we've done, we've given away um, Chromebooks to our students who, who um, end up winning the prizes. So. That's one of the things, and I know that there are several other programs out there. Um, definitely share them with you um, so that you can give them to your um, audience another time, but definitely staying connected with the people who are in the know. <laughs> Sounds great. Excellent advice. I want to go to Billy. Billy, we talk about Black Girls Code, 
And I know you and I spoke on the phone and you had mentioned something about working with girls who code. So I want to I want you to tell us your experience with working with the young girls. Um, sure. So my experience working with young girls, um, and one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, I've noticed is that we kind of need to change the message. Um, the message in STEM has formerly been, you know, if you're good in math, you know, you should be a scientist or, you, you know, you should be an engineer. And so a child who is not good in math may think that they can't become that because that's what they were told. Um, and, and what I've learned working with these girls is a lot of them, they, they just want to feel like they're choosing a career that's going to make an impact in the world. Um, and so what I started mm-hmm. to do is, is, is bring that message to them and saying things more like, you know, engineers are helping to shape the world. And, um, you know, a STEM career, you're pursuing a career that is going to change the world and, and letting them know how important that – this decision is going to be for them. And, and they love that. Um, they eat that up. That makes them feel important. It's just not a job. It's actually something that's going to affect um, people. And I feel like uh, children growing up are more, um, would like to make a change in the world. And so having a career that allows them to do that is perfect. Um, and so that's what I've experienced work. It's, it's, it's really great working with girls and um, definitely going to begin working with boys because I do, although in the career field I do see um, African-American men, I don't know how that is going to be in the future. So I'm going to also include uh, young boys in my programs. Right. And we spoke yeah. about that on the phone. I also spoke to yeah. Laura about that. She's working with girls. And, you know, I asked them. You know, what about the black boys? Because we know this is a, the tech industry is male dominated, but it's not black male dominated. It's Caucasian males, Asian male dominated. So when we talk about girls code and trying to get girls in the industry, um, black boys are lagging behind just as much. Um, So my question is always when we're doing girl code, what about black boys code? Um, Because that's just as important. So Miss Laura, I want you to jump in on this one. Tell us about your your program in terms of what you're doing with the girls. And I know you said you plan on including some boys, so let's hear about that as well. So, uh, well, actually, uh, LKY Unit Tech Club does include boys. Um, it's geared towards uh, boys and girls from the ages of 7 to 14. And uh, I decided to, you know, to include boys because, like, like you said on the phone, you spoke about it, that, you know, it's just as important for boys to be included in something that that we are all as a people um, are behind in, you know. Um, and I feel as though we should all be included in, in technology. Um, and, you know, black boys face certain, you know, issues growing up, you know, that maybe that maybe they get more, I would say, more attracted to like sports and you know the street life and just a lot of other issues too and I feel as though bringing technology um, to these communities and showing black boys that they they also have a place in technology and they can use their you know their gifts their talents um, to cater to technology is very important um, as well as girls too because girls are and black women are the women overall um, are a minority in the tech field. So I feel as though we are all, you know, behind. So it's it's very important to, you know, to include both boys and girls in technology as a people. Uh, because, like I mentioned earlier, the numbers, they decline, you know. Um, we're at the bottom, like 4% you know, um, at, top, at, at these top tech companies. And um, they're black people, not necessarily black women and, and black men, you know. So I feel as though it's very important to Excellent. And I'm glad you got the boys working in the program. I want to bring this next question to LaToya, because you mentioned that we can't rely on the schools to do it themselves when it comes to providing 
the technology or the devices for our students, the parents have to pitch in. But I want to talk about the role of our schools. Um, let's say first grade up to eighth grade, which would be junior high school. Those are those introduction grades. Um, what roles do the schools play when it comes to introducing our young boys and girls into technology? I think the schools play into the effect of everything. It's just making sure our, our children are up to par like everyone else. Like, it's just not fair that you can maybe go to a charter school or private school or just because your family may come from money that you have these opportunities given to you at such an early age and our community does it. And so whether that is, you know, seeking more resources from the state or federal budget or building those, those programs internally and letting the parents know, like, hey, you know, we can't depend on state funding um, to get new computers, to have maybe an outside vendor come in and teach these classes. Like, we need to have some type of uh, more involvement and communication in terms of building that out. And my best friend is a teacher in Atlanta, and so some, she talks to me about some of the challenges she has with parents is just getting them to even show up to the PSA meeting um, if there's not something there for them to get out of, like understanding that they need to be a part of development of their, their child. It's not just drop them off to school and, you know, let them do everything on their own. It just needs to be a partnership between teachers and schools and parents. I think that's the only way we can kind of get ourselves out of this situation. Um, you know, having classes, whether that's on Saturday, whether it's after the school day, whether it's for two hours on a Sunday, like we need to figure out how to get more more time in the day for our children so they can practice, have exposure, see what the income is really like. And so once they're already, you know, on track when they're six or seven or eight years old, by the time they get to middle school, they're probably building their own website or they know how to come up with a marketing plan or they know how the UX research design process leads to the UX design and they're working with product managers. And so when it's time to like get those internships, you know, they're not out of that conversation. They're not looking, you know, you don't have a recruiter looking at their resume and they're like, well, they don't, they don't have SQL experience. They don't, you know, have Ruby or, you know, Python, you know, they're not keeping up. And so they can't say that it's a skill set issue. Um, so we're not, you know, excluded out of these conversations. Excellent. 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 Um, Ryan, I want you to jump in on that as well. What is the role of the school? And I'll preface that by saying, I know as an educator, when you give kids homework that's supposed to be done on a computer and some kids don't have access at home or they're doing their work on a cell phone, which might take much longer, it could be like double, triple the time. Um, that can be frustrating to a student. That could be frustrating to a parent. So how do we make it easier for everyone when it comes to homework access or work access um, online but out of the school? And what is the role of the school when it comes to all of that? So the important thing is that um, when we think about these things, that schools are supposed to understand their uh, role as being a community resource management uh, community resource magnet that brings together all of these things. They have the ability to bring together people in the community. They have the uh, space, and they may not necessarily always have access to the technology that they have. And that's where um, the nonprofit sector comes in because there are uh, nonprofits and uh, private companies that have access to this technology and they can grant access to the technology uh, in the state. So um, uh, people like, uh, yes, we code, uh, Girls Who Code, um, us with Code Fever, we come in and we help them out because we have access to that technology and we have access to um, the mentors to actually help out the students. Now, when it comes to um, uh, making sure that this technology is equally dispersed among um, students. The importance is uh, doing surveys and understanding your community, finding out whether or not um, all of these kids have technology at home before actually going through the process of assigning online homework. Um, and that's as simple as uh, you know, sending home surveys or actually asking the students um, while they're in the classroom if they have access to this technology. And um, if they don't, then connecting them with different programs and community organizations that do have this technology. Um, 
So that's that's a big a role of importance. But understanding that um, schools are supposed to essentially be our directories. They should know about all of the organizations in their community that have access to this technology. They should know about the Code Beavers. They should know about um, Latoya's program. They should know about everyone else's program on this phone call so that if a student doesn't necessarily have access, they could uh, point them in the direction of us, and then we could take it from there. So, Ryan, if, if somebody in the Miami area, Florida area, wanted to be a part of what you guys do, um, how would they go about that? Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that they could do is they could definitely um, check us out at uh, CodeFeverMiami.com. Um, we post all of our Code Fever-related events on our, code, um, our events page there. Or they can email me at ryan at codefevermiami.com for any more info on any of our programs that we have going on because we have uh, tons of them going on throughout the year. And do you have an age range that you work with? So typically we work from students between the ages of uh, 10 to 18 with a majority of our programs, our after school and our summer programs. Um, but then, of course, we have our adult programs, um, and we are going to have a lot more opening up uh, later on this year because we're going to be opening our own co-working space in uh, Overtown. Okay. And if the seniors are listening to this program and they're in the area and they want to be involved, is there anything for them? Um so, yes, um, we're in talks with Comcast to start up our, uh, our restart, our digital literacy program for senior citizens. Um, so definitely, uh, yeah, if they have the chance, email me at ryan at covivermiami.com or uh, check us out on uh, Twitter or Facebook, and we'll be posting more information about those programs when they end up getting started, which would probably be early next year. And for our listeners out there, you can check on our resource page on blackpillradio.com. We're going to have links to everything that was said today so you guys can check out our listeners and what they're doing and just link to their companies or their websites and that kind of thing. Um, Check Monday for those who are listening live. For those who are listening to the recap, it'll be up there now. Um, Laura, I want to come to you because I know you have a program out in Staten Island, New York. Um, How can people get involved in your program? So, um, you can people can definitely get involved in my program through my social media, our social media platforms. So um, our website is www.lkyunitypetclub.org. Um, I'm also we're also on Instagram at lkyunitypetclub and also on Facebook as well, where um, there there'll be posts about upcoming workshops and just keeping people in the know, different different um, partnerships and um, certain programs and, and things like that. So, yeah, definitely, you know, do the website predominantly and then social media, other social media outlets like Instagram and Facebook. Is there an uh, age range or group that you're working with? Yes. So 7 to 14, boys and girls. Okay. And is that Staten Island based only or it's open to whoever can get there? Yeah. So for now, it's... um, Staten Island based only. That's where the facility is, the empowerment zone. Um, so for now, it's just Staten Island until we branch out. Okay. And I know Latoya, I think you're working with, you have a program as well? Yes. I'm on the advisory board for Disrupt Harlem Code Squad. So it's a free STEM and entrepreneurship program um, here in Harlem. And so um, we are not accepting applications for this quarter, but I know it's going to start back up in January because we have a class going on at the moment. And so if anyone is interested in being a part of that, where we teach um, our young people how to code, um, how to practice for demo days, how to actually build an app, um, and it's around 20 or so selected participants, you can definitely check out Harlem Disrupt Squad. I'm sorry, disruptharlem.org. And is there an age range and for if that? You're interested? Yeah, that age range is 18 to 23. Okay. For that program, um, and if anyone's interested in learning about fintech or financial technology, I work at Betterment, and um, you can email me directly, and I will have you come into the office with me, um, have you speak with engineers, some of our developers, our CEOs, also very welcoming, um, and give you an actual tour of. Our, our space. So anyone who's interested in that can reach out to me directly and I can set that up. 
Excellent. And last but not least, Ms. Billy. Um, sure. So uh, my workshops are for now for kids in middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and for primarily girls, I will be including boys um, in the upcoming future. But for anyone that's looking for me to bring my workshops to their middle schools and discuss different STEM careers, get the kids excited about them, and also help with professional development, um, I can be reached uh, by email at Billy, B-I-L-L-Y-E, at moderntechimage.com. I can also be reached on my website, moderntechimage.com, and on social media. Instagram um, is where I show basically what I'm doing on a daily basis. You can see what I'm up to and where I'm visiting and things like that. And what state would you be in if people wanted to contact you? So they can get an yes, idea I like the region. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so that's the mm-hmm. Atlanta yeah. area for you guys. Yeah. So we have 10 minutes left on the broadcast, and I want you guys to give our listeners some gems. So what websites can our listeners go to where they can apply for the grants that we spoke about, where they can apply for the low access to a uh, low cost access to Internet, where they can apply for schools and programs and trainings, not just the ones you guys just mentioned that you guys are working with, but if you're willing to share other programs that you know of, that will be a, of a very good resource. Um, where can they go? And anybody could take this. Yes, so this is Latoya speaking. Um, one website for sure that I use is codecademy.com, and that's C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com, Codecademy. And with that, anyone can just sign up. They have free tutorials where you can actually select what you want to learn. If you want to learn HTML, CSS, SQL, uh, Python, JavaScript, Java, Ruby. This is just a bunch of different like web development and programming, um, and you can do that for free. And they have like different sessions. You can space it out yourself, um, so it's no real hard uh, commitment. If someone just wants to learn how to, you know, start that process of learning how to code. Another uh, class that I, I've taken um, is at General Assembly. Um, I know they're in New York. I believe they're in Atlanta and definitely in California. Um, not sure about Florida, but that's generalassembly.com. And with that, they have a lot of different classes, um, boot camps, um, 16-week courses, 14-week courses, some online courses. With that, some of them may be pricey, but I know if you, like, work at a company or if you, you know, present an opportunity to your school, a lot of times they'll, they'll waive it or give you really significant discounts. Or um, maybe even if you have to, like, crowdsource with your family and friends to get that because like, you can get a class for, like, $200 or maybe $100. Um, and so I think that's another good resource, General Assembly and Code Academy. Excellent. Anybody else want to add to that? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, Latoya had some great ones. We use Code Academy. Um, General Assembly, they do have offices down here, but uh, General Assembly offers a lot of uh, online courses for people who are not necessarily able to uh, travel to whatever location they have for their in-person courses. Um, another couple ones to keep in mind, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Comcast Internet Essentials. If you just you know uh, Google Comcast Internet Essentials, the um, the website will come up, and that is for low cost internet. All you have to do is apply for that. Um, they also have you know their programs for getting technology in the hands of uh, children and uh, senior citizens. So definitely, if you don't have access to technology, check that out. Um, but one thing I would say that would probably be the best because we don't necessarily always have all the answers for every specific area, whether that's you know Atlanta or New York, because we know our own uh, communities ourselves. One thing to definitely do would be to check out meetup.com or eventbrite.com. Uh, Bright spelled B-R-I-T-E.com. Uh, those two websites specifically because uh, – there are a lot of events that go on in uh, different cities for technology, startups, um, and it's, it's basically a great resource to find uh, all these events that are going on, and uh, a lot of them are for free. 
So it's a great place to go and check out different events that are going on around um, tech and what's going on in your actual city. And by going to these events, you'll be able to network and meet with people who are more connected to what is going on in your specific city. So if you have any questions regarding uh, access to technology or classes that are going on, these are like the perfect places to get plugged in to know uh, what is going on in your city. Um, so definitely uh, check that out, uh, meetup.com and eventbrite.com. Uh, that's what I would say. And I have a question for you. Black Tech Week, is that a week of technology programming, conference, expo kind of thing, or is that just the name of the company? Okay, so uh, Black Tech Week itself is a week-long celebration of everything that's going on in uh, tech and the black uh, industry. So we bring together, for an entire week, we bring together entrepreneurs, techies, and small businesses to meet with you know, dynamic speakers. Um, and we have our huge conference that goes on in there, but it's not just for people who are in tech. It's good for um, BCs, investors, people who are in government, uh, people who are looking for jobs because we have hiring fairs, people with ideas who want to build their businesses because we have pitch competition hackathons, and of course, parties, because everybody loves to you know, get down and all that. Um, but that is actually going to be taking place the first week of February in 2018. So if you're interested in getting connected into tech or looking for your technical co-founder or just, you know, um, meeting some awesome new people, <laughs> come on out. We're going to be down to Miami from uh, February 5th to February 10th, 2018. Excellent. Excellent. So, Laura, can you add to this as well? Uh, as far as, like, resources for people? Yes. Resources for, you know, newborns, you, you know, your, your mom, your dad, you have a new child, you want to get your child involved in tech, um, school age children, college children, uh, senior citizens. I would say for, for children, I would say scratch.com. Um, it's a, it's a website that where you can go on and, um, build, interactive games and programs and a lot of cool stuff teaches children how to um, code and just think and you know stuff like that yeah that, that's that's the one that i have okay and billy do you have anything to add um sure i would like to add a, a resource and this resource will be for someone who has just decided that they wanted a career in technology, um, but just don't know what programming language to choose or what engineering discipline uh, to choose. And that would be visiting a thrift store and purchasing books from there. Um, you know, of course, they're going to be outdated, but the basic fundamentals are the same and they're very cheap. So purchasing maybe programming books um, or engineering books from Goodwill and a variety of them, and that will help you to choose which, um, you know, which path that you want to take. But that's something that I did, which helped me to learn. Excellent advice. Never thought about that one. So I have a, so I have one thing for you guys left before we wrap this up. I just want a quote or a saying, something that I can post, we all can post um, online to kind of give inspiration for those who are interested in tech. Um, what will we? What would we want to post and put out there in the universe to our young boys and girls, to our seniors or anyone that's interested or curious about technology, a career in STEM? Um, what quote or what saying will be good for us to put out in the universe so these kids can capture that and maybe it can get somebody involved? And any one of you guys can go first. Maybe and this, is, this is Laura. Um, I would say closing the digital divide in the black community. I like that. And we can have a resource right underneath yeah. that. That could be your resource. So closing the digital divide okay. in the black community and your website is listed underneath it. So how people can contact you and get involved in that. And, and I do like that. I'm going to post that this week. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know that's very good. Anybody want to add something to that? This is how we grow as a community. We come up with things like this and we put this out there and we share it and we repost it and we tag ourselves and we tag our communities and we tag our businesses on it. And this is how it circulates. Really quickly, just name your website again. Oh, it's um, www.lkyunitetclub.org. Okay. And Billy, what is your website? 
I'm sure it's moderntechimage.com. Okay. And Latoya, what is your website? Oh, sorry, I have two. So for Disrupt Harlem Code Squad, it's disruptharlem.org. And for my personal business page, it's westbrooksconsultinggroup.com. Excellent. And lastly, Ryan, what are your websites? Our websites are Code Fever Miami and BlackTechWeek.com. Excellent. And thank you guys for being a part of the broadcast. We gave out some really interesting and great advice and information for people to listen to, follow up with. Um, hopefully they do that because it's going to be very beneficial. Technology obviously is the future. We wouldn't be able to do this show without it. Um, we wouldn't have come in contact without it. And it's very important. So as always, peace, happiness, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.